0: They Might Be Giants have been on the road for too long. Too long. And They Might Be Giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now They Might Be Giants are playing their breakthrough album, Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop They Might Be Giants and their liberal rock agenda? Who? No one. Decide to paid for with somebody else's money.
1: Hey, Muller junkies. This is your host, A.G., Today, we officially launch our new online store. We have all sorts of great merch, including canvas totes, unisex and baby doll tees, tanks, mugs and tumblers, all featuring the Muller She Wrote logo. We also have some new designs, including Muller Junkie and Muller Maniac t-shirts. And of course, you can still get free gifts by becoming a patron, including our sexy justice calendar. Being a patron carries with it all sorts of other access, including our weekly newsletter, which features my research notes and links to all the pertinent articles for the week. It also includes membership in the MSW Book Club and access to the entire backlog and future bonus episodes. We are also diligently working on making the archive of newsletters and show notes available to patrons. So head to patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote and sign up today. Then visit MullerSheWrote.com to check out our new store. There's something for everyone and thank you for supporting women in media and women in podcasting. Hello and welcome to Mueller She Wrote. I am your anonymous host, AG. I use a pseudonym because I work for Trump's executive branch and not only do I not want to violate the Hatch Act, but he's purging non-loyalists bigly and I'm trying to lay low. (laughs) So also this week I got an email. I think everyone in the government got an email saying you better not violate the Hatch Act and it included new rules and like I can't, you you know, we can't use an alias to tweet about fundraising activities or oh. Anything like that I thought that was interesting I hope it's not because of me sorry government If it is, <laughs> um, Anyway I'm going to Do my best not to violate the Hatch Act so I cannot any longer uh, Tweet out or ask uh, for Any fundraising dollars For any political campaign so I'm going to leave That up to Jalisa and Jordan to do Wait so does that mean okay
5: so On our Twitter for example when we do flip it blue Segments and we donate to flip it blue Candidates does that mean that can't come from Our Mueller she wrote Twitter account Correct.
2: Yeah, so our personal
1: accounts will take care of that. Well, we just learned. It's a new rule. Yeah, going forward, I can't do that. Crazy. It is crazy. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of weird new rules that didn't exist before. (laughs) I seriously hope I'm not the catalyst. You're too popular, Angie. No, I don't know if that's it, but uh, (laughs) we'll see. Um, This is episode 42, you guys. 42. The answer to life, the universe, and everything will be in this episode. Um, with me as always is Julisa johnson hello and jordan coburn hello and this week was epic you guys uh, Julisa will be covering the next victim in the 2018 election interference <laughs> by russia and jordan is going to cover the giuliani lube the truth tour which is ongoing in every city near you
5: it is he's sizing up every every week
1: <laughs> yeah he is he's he's getting bigger
2: his teeth seem to be getting bigger. I don't know if that's yeah, a thing. with his confidence, his teeth enlarges. <laughs>
1: his teeth grow as yeah. he lies. He's it's a, a, a it's a teeth,
5: <laughs> exactly, a teeth Pinocchio. Weird Pinocchio.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a toothy Pinocchio. <laughs> um, so as an aside, I wanted to let everyone know why we call it the Lube the Truth Tour, because that's what... How's Trump is doing. Basically, they're testing their base by releasing bits of truth like the fact that Trump dictated the Air Force One letter or that Trump paid off Playboy Playmates and he's or, you know, that he is obstructing justice and he's doing this because they're basically rolling the dice that Mueller will not indict a sitting president because of current Department of Justice policy, which means this will likely be decided by impeachment, which relies largely on the court of public opinion. And he also knows that Trump would lose a subpoena battle. So when Trump has to testify to the grand jury and by Mueller, he will have to tell the truth or plead the fifth and since pleading the fifth would look really really bad uh he would have to tell the truth but by then his base will know the truth because of giuliani and and giuliani will have kind of muddied the waters so much that they will likely believe that everything trump has done is within the law so he's lubing the base to prepare them for the truth that's basically why i call it lubing the truth
5: he just to jump in really quick I he's he's preparing them for the truth but also preparing them for the lies that Trump's going to go on
1: record saying Mm, good point yeah Yeah, yeah. and I I wanted to leave that because I know you're going to report on that later oh nice so I was I was like should I tell should I bring up the lies because he he went outside of his truthiness (laughs) spoiler alert
5: even what he did last week when I covered when he was going back and you know saying that meetings didn't occur that we know have occurred for sure this
2: whole time
1: and if they did occur he didn't know but they didn't occur so it doesn't matter uh, but they occurred and you know um, talk about gaslighting yeah that's why i loved having andrea chalupa on so much yeah. because gaslit nation is such a cool podcast Amazing you check name. it out if you haven't um anyhow i will be going over uh the trump enemies list um which is what it is it, you know they he might not call it that but that's what it is and we'll talk about that later but before we begin we have a few corrections from last week first i referred to montenegro as montego Love that song. No, I don't. Also, uh, I had said Collins, uh, who was indicted for insider trading, was going to withdraw from the race. In fact, he's only suspending his campaign. So there's that. I think he's still going to end up on the ballot. And finally, I wanted to address this clip. (laughs) It's just hilarious to me to watch them try to do technology. It's so funny. It makes me feel so much better about myself.
5: This is the son of the man that called in and falsified another person saying what a great man (laughs) he (laughs) was.
1: So I want to make sure everyone knows I don't think it's because they're old. I don't want to practice ageism here. I think it's because uh, they're Trump supporters. Trump supporters can't tech. They can't meme. Their sense of humor is non-existent. Let's just say... They don't belong on the TED stage.
2: (laughs) Some of them try to. You ever seen that frog meme, the Pepe? I mean, yeah. Some of them at the top, like the elitist Trump supporters, they they know what they're doing. But you're right. But the masses, the Trump supporters. The memes are are
1: hilarious. They're they're poorly. (laughs) The graphics are bad. They're kind of blurry. They're pixelated. They don't understand DPI. True, true. They misspell a lot of shit. And Pepe's just a weird choice of like... A Nazi slogan, a frog? Why a frog? (laughs) Why a frog? (laughs) Yeah, because back in the day when I was in Sharp, which is the Skinheads Against Racial Prejudice, Mm. your laces indicated what faction you were behind. Like if you wore white laces, you were white power. If you wore red laces, you were a Nazi. If you wore one black and one white, you were two-tone, which is what I was. But they had this, if you were blue. what's uh, two-tone? Two-tone, Skinheads Against Racial Prejudice. Ah, got it. Like listen to the specials and selector and toasters. You like the fashion of. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Black and white and, uh, and then if you were blue, you were neutral. And then green meant you loved frogs, which was just, I don't give a shit about anything. But now it means something. Oh, and that bums me out That's a where bit. they
5: started. I like the idea of the blue laces not giving a shit about the neutral people. <laughs> yeah, I'm just <laughs> neutral. They're like, I can't really take a position on Nazis. That's great. Would that be <laughs> your I'm, laces? I'm going
1: to go blue. <laughs> good people on both sides. Yeah, <laughs> That's what the blue laces yeah. were for. No, I don't know.
5: I think they were just like, I don't give a fuck. We got a minor correction on a Space Force uh, segment, too. Someone said, minor Space Force correction. China shot down their own satellite, not North Korea. Oh, thank you. Oh. Thank you.
1: Um, I, why did I think it was North Korea? They, they can't shoot anything down. Yeah.
5: yeah, uh, No accuracy at all. <laughs> even against themselves.
1: I should know better. China's better uh, aim. <laughs> uh, finally, we have some great guests this week, including a veteran and fellow resistor, Red T. Raccoon. We have... Uh, David Preece. He's going to join us again to discuss his involvement in the letter from former security officials damning Trump's stripping of Brennan's security clearance. Mm. He was part of that letter. And we have a very special guest to give us a breakdown of the Manafort trial. Randall from at Randall's Animals on Twitter of nasty ass honey badger fame will be here to give us. An overview of the <laughs> of the Manafort trial I figured you know I, I remember one time seeing on the Daily Show when Jon Stewart brought Fred in from B-52s to read a passage of an extremely boring book to, <laughs> to like make it more interesting so I think that's kind of where we're going with this oh, I like, love it
2: and the honey badger video I watched that so much in high school like
1: over and over and over again honey badger don't care so funny nasty ass Manafort don't give a shit <laughs> I'm excited to hear what he has to say anyway let's go over this week's news with just the facts Okay, before we get into the facts, I've got a message. I got a message from the contact page of MullerSheWrote.com from a disgruntled listener who said they can no longer recommend our podcast to Trump supporters and Mueller haters because they allege we are no longer unbiased in our reporting. Which I suppose is fair, although I think we were always biased in our reporting. I was
5: going to say, I think it's been uh, pretty consistent. We
1: acknowledged it pretty forthrightly. Um, and, but I support everyone's right to not listen to a podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're clearly on the side of justice, and I, and I tend to think everyone knows that. I'll try to do a better job of drawing clearer lines between facts and conjecture, but mm-hmm. I thought that's what beans were for.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But thank you for the feedback. Yeah. Um, Okay. It's
2: hard. Yeah, it's hard not to have bias about something that we're so passionate about. So, it's going to come yeah. up. Yeah, but I I mean it's noted.
5: I'm not trying to pander to Trump supporters either. If we no. sway some in the process, that's dope. But mainly, we're reporting what's actually happening, and what's happening is fucked up. And the GOP sucks ass, and mm-hmm. they, they they just are to blame for I a lot of this stuff. Started my new hashtag
1: so. this week hashtag Geo Please.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, but that's we also good. take down Democrats when they're fucked up. We yeah, do. yeah, we do. We're,
1: we're pro justice. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. and uh, if Democrats go down in Mueller's report, I'm, I'm for it. Yeah, um, I want the corruption gone. So anyway, um. Sorry if you're a Trump listener and you found that we're too uh, against Trump. Um, We are part of the resistance. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening, though, up until. Yeah. Yeah. And reaching out. Yeah. Until just now. Yeah. I don't mean to be a hater. That's. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, I've kind of I've come to the foregone conclusion that we there's just certain minds we're not going to change and I'm not going to try. Exactly. Um, I've encouraged others to stop arguing with with Trump loyalists. It just gets you nowhere. Right. Um, what was the old uh, saying, like, don't argue with an idiot. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Yeah.
2: Free will is powerful. I think, you know, you can preach all day to someone what you think is right and yeah. wrong. But at the end of the day, they're going to do what they want. And we have to accept that that's America. And we have laws to prevent people from getting hurt by people's bias. But I don't think
1: our bias is harmful. I don't think we're trying to hurt people with it. So No, we yeah. want to save people with justice. It. Yeah. All right. So let's get going here. Monday morning, we learned that Peter Strzok was officially fired from the FBI. Now, there's been a lot of opinions on social media about this move, but let me lay out the facts. Uh, In the federal government, if you want to fire someone, it has to be for a fireable offense, first of all. And in Strzok's case, there was a thorough investigation done by the IG Horowitz, uh, Inspector General, who concluded that while Strzok fucked up by using his FBI phone to send texts disparaging Trump, um, and that there was an appearance of bias... Uh, The IG found that Strzok's political views did not at all affect his investigatory work or his work within the FBI. The recommendation was made that he be suspended for 60 days without pay because that is the punishment all other agents in the past have received. And when a person brings a wrongful termination case against against the government, the number one thing the judge is looking for is whether or not that person was treated in the same or a similar way as others in the past who have committed the same infraction. In this case, revoking the 60-day suspension and firing Strzok is not the normal MO in the FBI. So they've created a problem for themselves by firing Strzok for an infraction that everyone else gets a 60-day suspension for. The only rule Strzok broke was using the FBI phone to send his texts, which included negative texts about Hillary and Bernie as well. He seems to hate everyone. (laughs) Um, That is not a fireable offense, you guys. So I think the administration uh, has a wrongful termination case on their hands, and of course we'll cover it. And Strzok's GoFundMe for legal fees raised over $325,000 on the first day. And what I consider the most interesting part of the story is who fired Struck. It was Bowditch. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners who have been around since the beginning will remember the Comey Five. Bowditch is one of the original five people that can corroborate Comey's interactions with Trump. So why did Bowditch fire Struck? Why didn't you know Ray, who's the head of the FBI? Um, so I'm wondering, like, did he succumb to the dark side? Did he give a loyalty pledge to Trump? Is that why he's still there? Or is Trump pulling like that sadistic mob move of having struck fired by one of his own political opponents? Oh. I hope we learn the answer uh, and we should watch what happens to Bowditch as the investigation presses on.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just want Strzok to be a martyr. Yeah. I was thinking that
2: could be the third option is that they wanted to beat them to the punch and make it seem like they're coming up on the side of like
1: what's fair instead of like being forced into something by Trump. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know, but uh, what I thought was interesting this week was when you know how I said Struck hates everybody equally. Yeah, there's a thing. There's a thing that's been in the, our lexicon for a long time called an equal opportunity racist <laughs> or an equal opportunity bigot. You've heard yeah, that yeah, phrase, totally. right? Totally. I hate everyone equally. Yeah. Well, when Sarah Sanders was defending Trump's use of a possible N word on a tape from Omarosa, Sarah Sanders said, "You know what? Trump is an equal opportunity." attacker like I swear to God she was going to say she was about to say equal opportunity racist and, and <laughs> she stopped herself before she realized she was just about to call Trump a racist oh man I thought that was really funny they slip up sometimes they almost got her then Monday Giuliani started in on his weird ass incoherent public mumbling and Jordan's going to go over that later <laughs> in the show a uh, new mumble rap, I guess. Oh,
5: yeah. uh, Must be hard to rap with those teeth. Oh my god! That's why it's mumble
1: rap.
2: <laughs> that
5: would actually be like top of the charts these days. It's like yeah. when you dress as a vampire for Halloween. You're like, hey everybody! On yeah, team. yeah. I want to play a carnival game that's like that big Bertha one where you like knock down her giant ass teeth with like beanbag balls. But it's, I want to sample but Trump, Trump saying the
2: United States of America and just put that on a really dope track and just make <laughs> the coolest diss track. Dude, yeah, you should do a mumble rap. But, yeah. Like, down a beat, do a mumble rap of Giuliani over it. To just sample all of their little rants. Call Lube the Truth. Oh my gosh, guys. I'm on it. I'm on it. Parody
5: SNL. <laughs> Pay attention.
1: Please donate so we can raise funds for these projects. <laughs> yeah, Become a patron now so that we can make weird videos. <laughs> um, also Monday, Trump appointed A Trump-appointed judge upheld special counsel Mueller's authority. Judge Dabney Friedrich uh, from the D.C. federal court said that Concord Management, which is one of the entities that was indicted along with all the Russians by Mueller, uh, he denied their motion to have the case dismissed on the grounds that Mueller's appointment is unconstitutional. This has been tried multiple times by Manafort specifically that I'm thinking of. Uh, and the courts keep denying their motions, thereby upholding Mueller's authority to investigate Russian interference. So remember last week when Roger Stone aide Andrew Miller held himself in contempt by refusing the grand jury subpoena? And Joyce Vance came on and told us that, she, that um, he did so because he was teeing up to appeal Mueller's constitutionality. Mm-hmm. Well, that appears to have happened. Um, he, they have filed an appeal to the um, second highest court in the land, uh, D.C., I think, appellate court. Um, and this appears to be the vehicle that the conspirators are going to use to have Mueller's authority challenged in higher courts. He filed an appeal to the D.C. appellate court that, yep, I was right. Look, at if I just read my notes, <laughs> <laughs> all will become apparent. Uh, and this could go all the way to the Supreme Court. And it's their way of having the Supreme Court hear arguments that Mueller's appointment was unconstitutional. So keep an eye on that.
2: Oh, my goodness. Then I we got Kavak. What's his name? Kavakan. Kavanaugh? Kavanaugh. (laughs) Wrath
1: of Khan? There we go, yeah.
2: (laughs) It's just going to suck if that does go to the Supreme Court because this guy is
1: going to be a big... Part of that, if he gets through, he's going to have to recuse himself, or I'm going to be mad. He wouldn't be
5: on that court, though. Supreme
1: Court? Well, no,
5: the second to highest the appellate one. court. Yeah, no. The, no. but if the but appellate if court that. refuses
1: to hear it and it goes to the Supreme Court, and Kavanaugh has been put in, but we're going to go over. Uh, I think there was there was a good stalling tactic that that comes up later in the week for for not appointing okay, Kavanaugh. Okay. So we'll talk about that too. But I predict that the court will side with Mueller on this one. Um so put some beans on that. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Just let it go. Then, put, <laughs> then just let it go. Oh. It's so annoying. Now I have frozen stuck in my head. Um yeah. <laughs> Uh, Then there were more Omarosa tapes this week, and we've we've gotten a lot of questions about the legality of her recording people in the White House and the Situation Room specifically. D.C. has single-party consent, just like New York does, meaning it's not illegal to record a conversation without telling the other person you're recording them. And it's also not illegal to record inside the White House unless you're recording classified information. It does place national security at risk because foreign adversaries can hack that device and listen to the room, but it's not criminal. Um, She was able to record her firing by John Kelly uh, and a phone call she had with Trump where he pretended he knew nothing about her being fired, which either makes him a liar or incompetent. Uh, She recorded a conversation with Laura Trump, Laura, Lara, Trump, I don't know, Trump, (laughs) where she was offered $15,000 a month for, quote, a position in the campaign, which is allegedly just a bribe to keep her quiet. Uh, And she says that uh, she has heard tape of Trump using the N-word from his time in the on The Apprentice. Penn Gillette also corroborates this story, because I guess he was on The Apprentice. But the amazing part of this story is that Sarah Sanders would not defend the president. It seems like she's tired of lying for <laughs> Trump. When asked if she can guarantee that there's no tape of the president using the N-word, she said, nope, can't guarantee that. And that's amazing. Um, any other press secretary for any other president would have easily been able to say, I can guarantee you the president's never been on tape saying the N-word, but she can't. And she's tired of, of being proven wrong, of giving wrong information. So this is like the first time she's ever like sort of stood up for herself.
2: Yeah, and you're she, right. I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I, w- I was like oh, pissed at her because she was, you know, saying that she couldn't guarantee it, but I never thought about the fact that that was actually her way of kind of resisting. Covering her ass. Yeah, her own fuckabee way. She's
1: like, there's <laughs> probably a tape out there with the N-word on it, so I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna guarantee she's that She's not shit. going down for that. Yeah, yeah. And and the, guys, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but the fact that he's so racist that she can't make that
5: guarantee, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, she's like, uh, this is starting to taint my career, okay? <laughs> Just now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Guys, I'm starting to look bad. Yeah, (laughs) I've got to put a foot down. (laughs) Come on, Smokey Eye. You can do better than that. (laughs) Then Democrats made history in Tuesday's primaries in Minnesota. Uh, wisconsin connecticut and vermont first the democrats became the first major party to nominate an openly transgender person for the governor wow. of vermont very cool that's my home state Woo-hoo. oh shout out yeah nice they also potentially picked the first african-american democrat to serve in the house from connecticut yeah in all four states democrats showed democrats showed up in massive numbers compared to republicans so tuesday was a great night for the blue wave that's so awesome. let's keep that up but i'm not asking you for money <laughs> yes <sighs> You want to ask them for money real quick, Jordan?
5: Oh, sure. Yeah. Hey, if you guys have any money, uh, I'm Jordan Coburn, and I do not work for the government. <laughs> and uh, what's what's the site? of blue. blue. Swing left, actually. Oh, SwingLeft.org. Yeah. If you want to uh, donate directly to our most important races in the country, you can do that. Uh, mm-hmm. You can donate to uh, candidates directly on their websites. You can, you know, there's a lot you could do. Patreons. Yeah.
1: You can phone mm-hmm. bank from your Patreons.
5: house now, from your cell phone,
1: I hear. Yep. You can do that. Yeah. And. Part of patrons yeah part
5: of our donations that you give to the pod if you're a subscriber on patreon get donated to flipping it the house blue by by jordan it. by me specifically yeah angelisa and me mm-hmm. Jalisa Jalisa Johnson. yeah I, I, we share the burden 50 yes. 50 it's not a burden it's a great thing it's 50/50 an honor <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. totally That's ethical honorable process
1: yes yeah and the views and opinions expressed by jordan and are not the views and opinions of ag the federal government or the branches that ag is associated with thank you correct yep. correct
5: any sense of irony you're sensing is all in your head <laughs>
1: yep nope i'm not being sarcastic at all also Wednesday, the judge in the Papadop case granted a protective order to seal all the evidence in that case. His sentencing is scheduled for September 7th, but his fiance Simone Mangiente Papadopoulos went on TV saying that Papadop was considering withdrawing his guilty plea and blowing up the whole plea deal. Uh, and they also asked for a lawyer to represent them for free. Hey, th- you guys know a lawyer that would represent my <laughs> husband bono. pro bono? Maybe Bono would do it. <laughs> Sorry, he likes it. He's generous. He's not a pro lawyer. bono. <laughs> If I were Bono and I ever sued anybody, I would ask my lawyer if he was working pro-Bono. <laughs> yeah,
5: that's really funny. That's, bono would do things pro-Bono.
1: Oh, my God. That's so dumb. That's really dumb. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, anyway, if Papadop withdraws his plea, he'll just be putting himself in the same boat as Manafort, and things will go very badly for him. It seems his proffer maybe wasn't that great, and he might uh, get a stiffer sentence than initially thought. That's what I was kind of thinking to begin with, um, But and maybe he was looking for a way out because of that. Either way, um, either that or he he maybe he sees the clues uh, the clues that Trump will pardon Manafort and wants to roll the dice I don't know, uh, but this Friday was the deadline for the government to make a sentencing recommendation and at eight pm on Friday they filed their recommendation and he they want him to serve zero to six months so it looks like his proffer was better mm-hmm. than I at first was thinking uh, though the sentencing recommendation indicated that pop it wasn't very forthcoming until. He was shown all of his own emails and text messages.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did write that.
1: (laughs) He withheld a cell phone he used to communicate with Mifsud until his fourth and final proffer session. Additionally, the record shows that at the time of the interview, Papadop was attempting to secure a job within the Trump White House. I think he was like deputy assistant secretary to some (laughs) treasury. I don't know. Some (laughs) dumb thing. Uh, So he had an incentive to protect Trump and minimize his role. Uh, as a witness totally uh, but they got him and they're only recommending zero to six months so whatever he has must be important Mm -hmm. then wednesday a rolling stone article came out saying that documents have revealed a successful cyber attack on a california congressional race and jaleesa will be covering that for us in hot notes oh yeah the big story wednesday was the stripping of john brennan's security clearance and the solidification of trump's enemies list and the fallout uh, of that decision and i'll go over all of that later in the show that was crazy it's scary yeah on to Thursday, several senators, including Dianne Feinstein, that's DiFi, fi <laughs> uh, Senator Leahy and Senator Dick Durbin, wrote a letter to Chuck Grassley, the Republican chair of the Senate Judiciary, that there are documents indicating Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh, misled the Senate Judiciary Committee in 2006 when he said he had no knowledge or communication about post-9-11 interrogation techniques or warrantless wiretapping of Americans. The senators say the documents are currently committee confidential and wrote to Grassley to make the documents available to the full Senate and to the American public. If there is proof that Kavanaugh lied in his confirmation hearings, the Senate and the public deserve to know about it, especially if he lied about something as controversial as torture and warrantless wiretapping. So please call your representatives and your senators to hold the nomination of Kavanaugh until these documents are made public. The next 40 years Uh, of having a shit scotus justice hang in the balance and this guy will overturn marriage equality and roe v wade not to mention seating a justice that thinks the president is above the law it's hugely important so call him oh yeah
5: was that patriot act stuff
1: yeah it was the stuff comey was working on in higher loyalty remember when he's like we can't torture people you guys Mm -hmm. i can't justify this legally
5: wow he was in kavanaugh was in somewhere in
1: there Mm yeah Dude, yeah. and he lied to the Senate saying, "No, I didn't have anything to do with that. I'm just a good Christian boy." Hmm. <laughs> I like unborn babies. <laughs> also, Thursday we learned that Trump's stupid military parade will cost ninety-two million dollars, not the original twelve million he quoted, mostly because he wants to add tanks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, and that probably includes the street repair that would have to happen if you rolled tanks down the street
5: <laughs> What if his military parade was actually just his plan to just dominate everyone finally? Oh, geez. He just turns on everyone <laughs> He like, could. It was horrifying. We'll all be lined up for him.
2: <laughs> we'll be like, yay. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, people are going to look back on parades like that during this crazy time when he was like the worst president ever. And they'll be like, why did they throw him a parade? Like, why is this happening? He threw the parade. Exactly. But it'll look bad for us. But well, you guys, the Pentagon
1: came to its senses and canceled the parade. Well, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> hopefully. For now. Uh, right? Because it knows it's a total waste of money. But more likely, they realize the optics leading up to the midterms. Uh, as most veterans and Americans oppose this colossal waste of taxpayer money. So today, we wanted to talk to a veteran uh, about his thoughts surrounding things like the parade, the $92 million parade, the ghost leaders at the Department of Veterans Affairs, and of course, Space Force. So he's a form- former Army medic, and he was in Iraq from 2006 and 2007. Red T. Raccoon. Red, welcome to Mueller, she wrote.
6: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate you being here. I've been following you on Twitter uh, since we started the podcast. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, first of all, this parade that uh, initially was $12 million, then was $92 million, and now has been postponed and or canceled by the Pentagon or Trump. We're not sure which. They're both accusing the other of canceling it or postponing it. What are your thoughts on that parade and the money that they were going to spend on it?
6: Uh, so I, I was adamantly against the parade as soon as I heard it. Um, and this was a few months ago. It's been kind of thrown out there for a while. And then when real numbers started getting put towards it, um, I think more and more people started realizing the scope of this. I mean, there's so many different angles where I think this is wrong. Um, From just a logistical standpoint, you're asking soldiers to go and give up their Veterans Day in order to come to D.C., um, which I guarantee most of them would not have been local to begin with, which means, again, spending time away from their families when we should be going and honoring veterans and our service members. Secondly, the the visuals in regards to this are just astonishing. Um, this is what dictatorships do. Um, authoritarian regimes go and have parades of this nature. Um, I understand that, you know, again, we have local parades that we honor veterans. Um, that's completely different than having military aircraft and military uh, equipment rolling down um, through Washington, D.C. And then the most important thing. And I think the thing that really bothered me the most is that amount of money where originally, again, you said it was $12 million, and then it ballooned up to $92 million. And through my advocacy with veterans and kind of learning more and more about the the VA system itself, that money can be utilized in so many better places to go and help out our veterans or even just our active duty service members too um there's a lot of challenges when it comes to budgets when it comes to veterans um that money definitely could be used elsewhere and unfortunately i don't think it's going to be i think that i mean trump even put a tweet out yesterday in regards to just buying more jets not knowing that jets cost a lot more than 92 million dollars but it just shows how um cavalier he is with our tax money and it's definitely something that i'm glad got postponed i'm hoping it actually gets canceled
1: yeah, he he doesn't seem to quite understand the optics, or he does, and maybe maybe he maybe he canceled it because of the you know the optics for the upcoming midterm, and then blamed the Pentagon so that he didn't look like he was canceling his parade. I don't know. He he seems to go about these things in in very odd ways. He
6: does, and that makes it challenging being a normal civilian, kind of looking into how these things go down. And it's not just the parade; it's you know tax reform. It's health care. Messages aren't very clear from this president, and it confuses everyone. They don't really know what is the real message. What's the, the mindset of this person? And it just makes it difficult, and especially as a veteran. Um, again, you're seeing these things continuously happen to veterans where it's one message is being put out there in front of a crowd, hey, we support veterans. We support our service members. And then you're seeing bills and you're seeing things like this parade come out where you're like, no, you know what, you you are not doing that. You're using veterans in order to go and make a statement, maybe go and gather some votes, but the actions don't coincide with the words.
1: Yeah, and there was news out this week that you know remember when he uh for he he decided to forego a debate and instead held a fundraiser for veterans and then Apparently, uh, he gave half of that money to veterans organizations and used the other half for campaigning, which is, I believe, illegal. And um, it's again, just his actions, you're right, they just don't support the message that he is, you know, standing up for the veterans or being a steward of taxpayer money. And that's evident in this whole Space Force thing where you're just taking part of the Air Force and giving them all new uniforms and creating all new bureaucracy and spending all that money to do something we already do.
6: Exactly. And I'm so glad you used the word bureaucracy because that's exactly what it's just going to end up being. Um, there, there is a space command in the Air Force. They have these things under control. Just going and creating this in order to go and help out Some private companies, some government contractors, I think it's just the wrong way of doing this. And all of our military military leaders agree that this is just a huge mistake. Um, And I'm so glad you actually mentioned the fundraisers, because Trump has a nasty habit of doing that, going and having fundraisers and saying that the money is collected for veterans. and It's not actually happening. And one incident that is actually being investigated by the state of New York goes back to, before the elections, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a primary debate and Trump decided that he didn't want to be part of that debate. So he had his own veterans fundraising press conference. And again, all that money just disappeared out of nowhere. And the state of New York now, again, is investigating that. But again, it's just this, this image. And, and it's frustrating as a veteran. And I, I've, I'm a younger veteran. I've only been a veteran for 10 years. But just talking to fellow veterans, they're frustrated also. They've been dealing with this for, even before Trump, um, just the bureaucracy as far as the veterans affairs are concerned. Or sometimes, again, when we're not dealing with a fresh war, some of these veterans get forgotten. And I know that we've had these problems in the past with Vietnam veterans and some of the World War II and Korean veterans also. It's, it's just time that our government starts taking care of us.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I think Trump would do well to remember that veterans and The military active duty service members pay taxes and to have those tax dollars be used for something like this parade or or, uh, you know, having a a Department of Veterans Affairs that apparently is being run by this group of three guys at Mar-a-Lago without who have no oversight, um, you know, which is completely out of the norm. Uh, is 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 very frustrating to veterans I'm a veteran it's frustrating to me and most of the veterans that I speak to although it's hard to gauge the actual um, support or non support among veterans uh, for for this kind of stuff so there's a i I do run into a lot that uh, support Trump like full like full throttle and i I can't underst- i can't quite understand where that support comes from
6: yeah and you know, i Living in North Carolina, we um, have a very large veteran and military community, and I run into the same thing. And what I think what we see in the political climate nowadays is that there's a lot of animosity and a lot of kind of um, butting of heads when it comes to topics. And so when I run into another veteran that may be a Trump supporter, I like to talk about issues that can kind of bring us together. So <laughs> regardless if you support Trump or not, you have weight lines in the V.A., regardless of if you support Trump or not, we're still going to go and depend on educational benefits. We're going to go and depend on uh, the GI bills, go and get mortgages. I like to have those conversations, take Trump out of it. Let's just talk about our day-to-day lives and kind of look at what we can do to make our lives better and what the government can do to help us as veterans. That opens up the conversation. It sometimes opens up their eyes to the reality of what's going on nowadays. Um, that ninety-two million-dollar price tag associated with the parade opened up a lot of eyes. Um, just knowing the disrepair that we see, just even the, within the Veterans Affairs itself, which kind of leads us into a kind of scary proposition when we talk about the Mission Act um, that was recently signed.
1: Yeah, uh, and I agree with you. When I end up talking to veterans who are Trump supporters, there's that there's that way in where you where you find things that b- affect all of us, regardless of of the administration, and, uh, you know, open up the conversation from there, and a lot can be learned. And I I think that that also probably applies to the bigger picture, whether you're a veteran or not, to to find out and speak when you speak to Trump supporters, or at least independents who who don't have a, you know, who don't resist, you know, we can find our common ground and and move forward from there.
6: Exactly. Um, And, that's what I try to do a lot on social media. And I know sometimes uh, some days I'm better at it than others, but sometimes diving into these really hot topic issues, people want us to go and do that because that divides us even more. There's a lot of things that we can agree on that aren't as white hot. You know, let's go and take a look at some of the smaller issues that we all can agree on and kind of tackle those to kind of bridge you know, between the two sides. And then afterwards, now that we've kind of laid some groundwork down in regards to kind of seeing eye to eye, let's go and start tackling some of those tougher issues. And that's the beauty of veterans' issues is that we can go and do that. Everybody wants to support veterans. It's finding the right way in order to do that. Without sacrificing the care that they see.
1: Yeah, I agree one hundred percent, and uh, I thank you uh, very much for your service, and also thank you for joining us today. This has been um, really great to speak to you about these about these issues, and um, and also the the wider understanding of how we can open up dialogue with with those who'd be willing to listen. So I appreciate you coming on today, Red.
6: Now, I appreciate your service, and again, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me, and hope to get do it again soon.
1: Yeah, we'll keep in touch. I'm sure there's going to be more veterans issues that come to the forefront, and we'd love to have you back on again.
6: (laughs) There definitely (laughs) will.
1: It doesn't end, does it? No, it doesn't. All right. Well, thank you very much. You have a great great rest of your weekend. Finally, Thursday, the Wall Street Journal reported that Cohen struck the hush money deal with Stormy Daniels after the Access Hollywood Grab Them by the Pussy Tape came out. (laughs) The source of this story has said that Cohn wasn't really into the idea of paying her to keep her quiet when the idea first came up in September, but changed his mind saying he was open to deal in October when the pussy tape came out. (laughs) Pussy tape. (laughs) This shows clear intent to affect the outcome of the election, uh, making this payment, in my opinion, and probably in a lot of legal opinions, an illegal in-kind campaign contribution that went unreported. So, Oh, totally. Watch that, because I think he's going to be in big trouble. Mm -hmm. Beans all over that one. Beans. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Hey, Mueller Junkies, thank you so much for supporting our show and supporting women in podcasting. I need to ask you for a quick favor that will not cost you a dime. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating, and then subscribe. That simple act goes a long way to helping us get the word out about the Mueller investigation, and more importantly, it expands our efforts to flip Congress blue in November. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at MuellerSheWrote to be automatically entered to win a PlayStation 4. Don't ask. Thank you so much for listening. We would not be here without you. All right. Welcome back. Hot notes. Okay, this week, Jordan has an update on Giuliani, but first... Jalisa has a report on the next target of Russian interference in the upcoming midterm elections. Jalisa? Oh, yeah. Thank you.
2: So on Wednesday, Rolling Stone reported on yet another cyber attack against a Democratic candidate in the 2018 midterms. This time, the target was Dr. Hans Kirstead, who finished third in one of California's congressional primaries on June 5th. And over the past year, the FBI has been investigating a series of cyber attacks targeting Kirstead, who just happens to be an opponent of Roar Barker, a.k.a. Putin's congressional bitch. So, you know, motive. Oh, Yeah. So, whoever Sounds trying, like a Muppet name, doesn't it? It does, actually. I'm
7: Mr. Roar Barker. I,
2: I like saying it. I had to repeat it like five times this morning just to like get it out. Roar Barker. Barker. So, barker. There we go. Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> Like a little chicken. Yep. So whoever's been trying to hack Kirsid has been doing it since August 2017 via a series of spear phishing attacks. This is just like what the Russians did uh, when they hacked Podesta in 2016. Yeah, Fancy Bear. Yeah, totally. So fi- basically,
5: sorry. go ahead. D- d- can you explain
2: what spearfishing is? Totally, yeah. I was just about to. So basically oh, what they sorry. do. No, it's okay. It's a good question.
1: <laughs> if you just stop talking, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I wouldn't get to it. And There's I do, more. <laughs> I do that in my own notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I should have been talking about this. And then it I comes had up the later. same
2: question. I also didn't know the phrase was spearfishing. But basically what they did is they tried to, or they tricked Kirstead successfully this time um, into logging into a fake micro. Microsoft work email, like through an email, they were like, Hey, change your password through this because you know, maybe it was time or something. You know how they do those like updates? Mm-hmm. And he fell for it. Mm-hmm. But then he immediately realized what it was and then he, you know told everybody, but too little, too late. Um, but that was the only successful one. They also in December started targeting the campaign's website and hosting service. So they were like going deep into this. And according to the report, someone tried to hack and to Kirstit's campaign website by trying different username and password combinations at a rapid fire rate over a two month period. And they also tried to hack into the website's hosting service 130,000 times in just a month. So, (laughs) Yeah, they were serious about this. And in January, they tried to hack into his uh, campaign's Twitter account, as well as his personal company's website. So fortunately, like I said, the only successful attempt was with his work emails. Um, I use the word fortunately very loosely. But Kirsten's (laughs) Kirk Kierstead's campaign manager Kyle Quinn Quesada told Rolling Stone I know Quesada is very cute sounds <laughs> like something I would order it
5: does I'll drop it. yeah
2: yeah I don't want to sound racist but like I keep thinking quesadilla in my head and uh, I
1: think it's adorable I think it's cute it's a quesadilla and a tostada mixed it, together oh it's yeah quesada, quesada. <laughs>
5: shit
2: he's probably gotten that out of his so whole luxurious. life I'm so
1: sorry Kyle I didn't mean <laughs> to add that to that does sound really
2: delicious yeah mm. nice deliciously racist uh, <laughs> sorry guys it's not racist it's to not... enjoy Mexican food you're right it's, it's not uh, and, and you know what? I feel... Like, okay, we don't have to get into this. But <laughs> Kyle, we'll respond to the emails. Yeah, later. yeah, we'll get... Just flooding in. Um, Quinn Quesada told Rolling Stone that their campaign has now decided to go public about these attacks for the sake of voter awareness. And he said, quote, It is clear from speaking with campaign professionals around the country that the sustained attacks of the Kirstead for Congress campaign faced were not unique, but have become the new normal for political campaigns in 2018. And even though he added that their campaign doesn't believe the cyber attacks had any effect on the primary election results, we should note that he lost by one of the narrowest margins of any congressional primary this year. He fell short of just 125 votes. So that's pretty freaking close since he was being targeted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think basically what this shows is that there's a pattern, you know, this whole idea of the new normal and in, in U.S. political campaigns. And I feel like unless we do something to stop it, this won't be the last victim. Like Kirsten, it's not going to be the last campaign that gets hacked. And just last month, the director of national intelligence, uh, Dan Coats, said that the warning lights for future cyber attacks aimed at the U.S. were blinking red. And a week later, a senior Microsoft executive said that they helped identify and prevent hacking attempts targeting three congressional candidates in the 2018 midterms, just like we already covered Senator McCaskill in one of our episodes. Um, And then Senator Bill Nelson said last week that the Russian hackers have penetrated voting systems in Florida. So it's just happening all the time now. And I mean, the FBI is taking it very seriously, but Trump's not doing anything about it. I mean, it seems like... We have something specific. There's a whole fund specifically Mm -hmm. to stop this, right? Like $120 million. and They spent none of it. None of it. So we're just learning that um, from these patterns that these targets aren't just high-profile statewide candidates or elected officials. They're pretty much any individual congressional campaign that, you know, these hackers feel like is a threat. So...
5: Yeah, and they'll never be able to get the emails back or the information they got from being in his email, even for the short time. Yeah, over. and they can't
2: know for, for sure everything that they access. It's just like with the DNC hacks, it's just so messy and it's happening right in front of us and we just, <laughs> we don't know what to do. I mean, the FBI is trying their best, but all they can do is like trace the IP addresses and that could take a long time. And it's just, it's so scary. We're in the midterms and we're getting hacked right in front of our faces. Yep. Like, what What the hell? I feel so helpless.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's it's not a fun feeling. No. Um, if you've ever had your car broken into or your house broken into, that feeling is really Yeah, gross. I
2: feel violated, for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: That's
2: yeah. why voting is so important. Even if they still hack us like they're doing up until the very last day, I think it's important to know what our numbers should be so that we'll say, hey, this is off.
1: <laughs> and we already have to win by 12 points just to, to tie because yeah. of the gerrymandering. Yeah. So we're up against gerrymandering. We're up against Russians, not just Republicans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Voter suppression so. in so many ways. Yeah. So do not donate uh any money to anything yeah d- uh, not on ag's behalf at least <laughs> nope but
2: but, but jordan but and, yeah, and jaleesa yeah we say we send you yeah, yeah tell them donate tell
1: him. a lot <laughs> yeah I, I neither agree nor disagree with it yeah like nice.
5: donate as if you were donating for another person that would ask you to donate but can't <laughs> There you go.
1: Yeah. Ooh.
5: I like that. <laughs> well said. Toe in the
1: line. Very clear. Very clear. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank Julissa. you. Jordan. What's Giuliani up to this week?
5: Uh, yeah. He's lubing the truth like no other <laughs> this week. And this, as I brought up before, he's not even lubing the truth. He's lubing what Trump is planning on the lying about yeah, yeah. when he talks. Lubing more. the lies. Yeah. <laughs> lubing the lies. And what's the difference between lies and truth, really, when
1: you just come out and say that they're yeah, true? good lies on both sides. And, oh, yes. And they're alternative facts. Mm-hmm. And the facts change. Yeah, it's locker room lies. As yeah. the story develops. Locker room lies.
5: Locker yeah. room lies.
1: It's going to be a great, like, spinoff
5: sitcom from all of Walker lies. Okay, so Giuliani said on Sunday that Comey and Trump actually never talked about the former NSA uh, director Michael (laughs) Flynn. They never had the conversation, guys. Did you know that? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. I thought that that for sure happened, and I thought Giuliani actually had gone on record saying that it happened because he has. Uh, he said, so Giuliani this week says that Trump didn't find out Comey had thought that they... Or, okay, sorry. This is this is how he corrects it. He says, <laughs> he says, no, I was talking about in the past when Trump found out that Comey had said that meeting happened. And I only found that out in May 2017 when the New York Times reported on the Comey memos Wait, that what came is out that logic? month. So basically, he's saying that the meeting that he says, okay, so remember... It's, it's like it, He makes it very insulting confusing. to all of us that yeah. we have to even go back and, and say all this. It's hard to try to explain his yes. logic. Yeah. So first I'll say the couple times that he for sure said and acknowledged that Trump and Comey had that conversation and Trump asked Comey that was when he asked him. He's a nice guy. Exactly. What, right? Okay, yeah. so so on July 8th He told uh, he told ABC's this week that Trump had asked Comey to give Flynn, quote unquote, a break during a February 2017 meeting in the Oval Office. So that's one time he says it. Right. Right. So now what he's saying is that, no, actually, he didn't tell him that. What I was saying is that. Trump learned about Comey saying that Trump told him that. So Comey yeah. lied and then Trump found out about Comey's lie and then they
1: responded. Exactly. Comey's a liar. Exactly. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's also said stuff like, well, no, I didn't say that. What I was saying is that that's a possibility of something that could have happened or so you know, oh some weird goodness. thing.
5: Exactly. So <laughs> now they're trying to go back, erase what actually happened and what he already acknowledged happened and say, no. Trump wasn't talking about what he had said. I wasn't talking about what Trump had said. I was just talking about what Trump had said. He heard that Comey had said. Trump had said to him. Whoa. And you're not even like <laughs> so, exaggerating. No, That's exactly what he's literal, trying to say. Yeah. He's just dragging his base around in this fucked up merry-go-round of lies. <laughs> so that
1: sounds like a horrible (laughs) merry-go-round it It does
5: does. it does um and so yeah just a reminder uh comey was of course investigating false claims by flynn about his contacts with russian officials specifically sergey kislyak (laughs) (laughs) he's also a cameo star on russian television so michael flynn that is (laughs) and kislyak they all are wow so okay he goes on and says abc He, he he like he's on he's on cnn And Jake Tapper is like, what about this stuff that you said on ABC, right? References that. That's what I just told you about. Uh, And then he says, I never, Giuliani responds, I never told ABC that. That's crazy. Never said that. I said, that is what Comey is saying. Trump said. I have always said the president denies it. But not only did he say, not only did he say that to ABC back in the day that Trump had told Comey to let it go, basically. Right. He also told Fox that in July, and this is what he said in the interview. The obstruction thing is crazy, Giuliani said in that interview. Quote, he had a right to fire Comey. That's what it's all about. He had a right to say to Comey, give Flynn a break. There's no investigation at the time, and not only that, he didn't tell him, "Don't investigate him, don't prosecute him." He asked him to exercise his prosecutorial discretion, because he was a good man with a great war record. So he gives explicit, <laughs> explicit accounts of no, exactly what. He didn't
2: mean what, that,
1: though. <laughs> yeah, what he meant was,
2: what are we gonna do? I don't,
1: Guys, I don't even know what he. The meant.
2: balls in our court. We are being so abused right now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we need to do something. This is crazy. It's like not it's beyond gaslighting. It's like what is this? Is it is it fascism? Is there is there a word for this specifically for what mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. with the media? I feel like it's
5: yeah. It's not
2: what we're doing. <laughs> it's like they're doing something else. No, we're the media. We're the we're, yeah, honestly like even with like how, you know, bizarre we can be, like it, we we try to report consistently and they do the exact opposite. They yeah. are like, actively reporting Things in a weird, you know,
1: backwards like trying to—they're to- they're muddying the waters, yeah. So that when impeachment happens, uh, and all the Trump base is just completely confused and they just still support him. Yeah, that's, that's all super it is.
5: confusing. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I don't think it fucking sucks that they even give him the airtime because honestly, I know that there's a benefit, a certain benefit to it because it corroborates claims of obstruction of justice and right. lying to you know, fucking everyone, but. It, and honestly, they get so much ratings from Giuliani going on their shows and stuff, but every time he goes on, he's doing more and more and more damage to the idiotic base that actually listens to what he we says. We would turn him mm-hmm. down, right? Malochi wrote, we wouldn't let Ju- Giuliani. No, yeah. If he ever
2: wanted to, I don't no, think I he would. Be, but no.
5: Yeah. yeah just Because I feel like I'm you have say- a choice, right? You have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Not, I guess I'm not suggesting that they literally don't let Giuliani on, but it's, it's like- It's still problematic, though. You're right. Yeah. it's He's saying things that, like, your reaction, you know, sort of a more, I don't want to say, like- just out. Yeah. Just outrage. Yeah, That's just how shocked. I felt, too. It's yeah. like we report stuff and we laugh about it and we riff about it and whatever. Just to right. try to, just like to stop cope. from crying. But, <laughs> yeah. But this is so infuriating. It's like not even funny. It's insulting it's, on so many levels. Yeah. All, so much of this is not even funny, but this is it's just so disastrous. It's completely disastrous. Yeah. That's the most basic thing that started all of this was him telling Flynn to let this go. Hmm. And, and they now won't he's even trying s- to circle back and say that that didn't happen. They're Fuck pulling off. the rug from underneath this whole thing. So sorry. I mean, Julie, so we're talking of each other a lot because we're very passionate about this. It's very upsetting. But that's that's basically all the lube the tr- truth update I have this week. Uh, I'm
1: sure there'll be more next week. Yeah,
2: our high
5: notes are so sad. <laughs>
1: They're not very hot. Sad notes. Sad notes. They are sad, sad notes. notes. <laughs> 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 all right. So this week. Um, Trump made an idiot move by stripping former CIA director John Brennan of his security clearance. This highly political move was announced by Sarah Sanders in a statement in the press room. She also announced that the security clearances of other political opponents were being reviewed, including Clapper, Comey, Hayden, Susan Rice, Sally Yates, McCabe, Bruce Orr, Peter Strzok, and Lisa Page. So during Watergate... Um, the second article of impeachment for Nixon was about the abuse of power, and it included the creation of Nixon's enemies list. The main difference uh, is that Nixon had the sense to keep it secret, <laughs> whereas Trump is doing it right out in the open. Uh, it became clear this week, <clears throat> as the week progressed, that Trump decided to make these moves right after the Helsinki summit with Putin, and... Uh, as indicated by the date on the memo he released this week. The memo came out this week, but it was delayed a date of July 26th. That indicates that he he intends to release the news as needed to distract us from other news. And that's not conjecture. It was until uh, this week in The Washington Post. It was reported that a White House aide has confirmed Trump made this decision in July. And the decision to take this step uh, was made this week to divert attention from nonstop coverage of Omarosa's book and her recordings. Uh, They go on to say that there will be further revocations of clearances that will be strategically released for the same purpose. Even more shocking, Trump told the Wall Street Journal in an interview that he revoked Brennan's clearance because of the Russia investigation. (laughs) And we found out, although Giuliani will say he didn't. Right. But then he did. But then he was only saying that he thought he could have. But it wasn't real. Uh, And then we found out through tweets that Russia knew about this plan two days before it was announced. Uh, which indicates to me that this was discussed at the treason summit. Russia knew that Trump was going to do this. The backlash following the announcements by Sarah Sanders was swift, and it included a letter released by William H. McRaven, a retired Navy admiral that was the commander of the U.S. Joint Special Operations Command and oversaw the Navy SEAL raid in Pakistan that killed Osama bin Laden. So this is an untouchable motherfucker. And his name is McRaven, which is awesome. (laughs) He wrote this. Dear Mr. President, Former CIA Director John Brennan, whose security clearance you revoked on Wednesday, is one of the finest public servants I have ever known. Few Americans have done more to protect this country than John. He is a man of unparalleled integrity, whose honesty and character have never been in question except by those who don't know him. Therefore, I would consider it an honor if you would revoke my security clearance as well. So I can add my name to the list of men and women who have spoken up against your presidency. Like most Americans, I had hoped that when you became president, you would rise to the occasion and become the leader this great nation needs. A good leader tries to embody the best qualities of his or her organization. A good leader sets the example for others to follow. A good leader always puts the welfare of others before himself or herself. Your leadership, however, has shown little of these qualities. Through your actions, you have embarrassed us in the eyes of our children, humiliated us on the world stage, and worst of all, divided us as a nation. If you think for a moment that your McCarthy-era tactics will suppress the voices of criticism, you are sadly mistaken. The criticism will continue until you become the leader we prayed you would be.
5: Hell yeah. So sexy.
1: (laughs) But the backlash didn't stop there with McRaven. In the two days following the announcements, over 70 former intelligence officers and leaders have come forward denouncing Trump's enemies list. We have one of those former CIA officers with us today. We've had him on the show before. Please welcome David Priest. Hi, David. Good to have you back.
3: Hello again, AG. It's, uh, it's good to be back, but I'm, I'm, I'm saddened that it's come to this and that I have to be back to be talking about this, frankly.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty outrageous. Um, so tell us a little bit about this letter uh, and why you signed it.
3: Sure. Well, what happened is after the revocation of John Brennan's security clearance, Uh, And we still don't know exactly why the first statement officially from the White House was it was because of his erratic behavior. I've known John Brennan for 20 years. Erratic is not in the top 100 list of adjectives I would put with him. Um, It's because he was saying nasty things about the president. But then the next day, the president comes out in the interview with The Wall Street Journal and says, well, it's all these people who are involved with the rigged witch hunt. Uh, Either way, it wasn't about the actual justification for holding a security clearance, which is, does he need it? If he doesn't, he shouldn't have one. Or has he done something to violate the terms of the security agreement? And there was not a single word about that. In the wake of that, most people saw that virtually every former director and deputy director of the CIA, Republicans and Democrats alike, people who have served across administrations, came out with a letter saying that this is not the right thing to do for national security. A number of other people saw that who did not rise to the level of the director or the deputy director of CIA or to become a director of national intelligence and said, yeah, we feel the same way. And so then we had about, I think, 60 former CIA officials from all areas of the business, all former officers who simply said that this this is something we oppose, the actual or threatened removal of security clearances from former Government officials. We made clear that in signing the letter, we don't necessarily agree with the words Director Brennan chose or the way in which he expresses them. That is irrelevant. The point is, it's his right to say those things because that is protected political speech. To start using security clearances as a political weapon against those with whom you disagree crosses a line that has not been crossed in national security before.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. And and can you tell me why it's important um and uh, to national security that former CIA officials retain uh, their security clearance?
3: Yeah, and and I'll answer that in a surprising way at first, which is to say it isn't. In in many cases it's not. The default is when you leave government employment from a position for which you had a security clearance, you no longer need that clearance. Now, The government may decide, and this is not an individual choice. This was not John Brennan or anyone else who decides this. This is the government's choice. If they need the skills and the expertise of that person for a particular project, then they will allow the security clearance to continue. In some cases, that's for contracts for specific projects. In some cases, my understanding is for someone like John Brennan at that level, it is more common simply because it makes it much easier In the case of a crisis, to have them come in and essentially say, yes, I went through something like this when I was in charge. Let me give you help to get through this crisis. That can be done even without the security clearance, but that's a separate issue to discuss. And I I would love to have a conversation about whether we have too many security clearances and what are the right and wrong ways former officers should have them. That's great. But what's happening now isn't about security clearances. It's about the politicization of a national security norm, which is not the way to protect national security. It's applying a political litmus test before seasoned experts are allowed to share their views. And that's why so many of my former colleagues signed on to this letter.
1: Yeah, it's it seems kind of obvious um, to most observers that the everyone on that list is someone who either investigated uh, Trump in the uh, quote-unquote witch hunt, or spoke out against him afterwards. Um, it, it, I feel like if it were for national security reasons, I mean, Flynn wasn't on that list. Right. Uh, um, people who've actually violated national security are not on that list, and and it and it clearly isn't being used um, in in the way that it it was intended to be used. At least that power, and
3: and so I. You're so you're I'd, right. It is interesting to note for that that first list, the list of directors, deputy directors, and uh, now two directors of national intelligence have signed on. Many of them are people. Uh, who were on that list that was put out by the White House of people that they're reexamining the security clearances. What's odd about that, many of them were Republican appointees, many of them were Democratic appointees as well, but many of them were Republican appointees to the extent that it is directed at people who are likely to either testify or speak out about the quote rigged Russia witch hunt quote. Mike Hayden is an odd one to have on that list because he left office When George W. Bush left office and was a critic of President Obama on many national security policy issues, he had nothing to do with the intelligence surrounding the Russia investigation. The only thing he has done is, from a conservative internationalist position, criticized some of the national security decisions and some of the character issues and some of the lack of truth of this president. There is no justification on national security grounds to revoke his clearance because he has not said anything remotely classified publicly. There are no grounds, even if you wanted to punish people who might be able to testify against the Russian witch hunt thing. Mike Hayden doesn't even fall into that category. The only explanation left is political speech. And if you're going to criticize somebody for political speech and revoke clearances based on it, I seem to remember Michael Flynn standing up and leading a chant of lock her up, which is much more on the extreme of political speech than anything that people like Mike Hayden have said publicly.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And um I don't know, it just seems to me that once Trump finds out he has like an unfettered power like his pardon power or this revoking uh, security clearances, he just seems to use it over and over again like he just becomes kind of almost like addicted to that ability to to do these things unilaterally. It's it's
3: Yeah, and the the metaphor that I heard recently was the scene from Return of the Jedi when Emperor Palpatine, the Dark Lord, uh, starts using the Force lightning against Luke Skywalker. And he gets so obsessed with using it that he loses his ability to understand what's around him. He gets blinders on, so much so that Darth Vader can lift him up. He's still shooting Force lightning out of his fingers, and he throws him down a reactor shaft and he explodes. It's that kind of thing. It's this blind focus on this tool that I've just discovered I can use. The odd thing with this one, though, A.G., is... It has been reported from the White House that the whole idea of this was to change the narrative, that the narrative was Omarosa and the tapes she had, and maybe, just maybe, there's a tape of the president using the N-word. Honestly, I can't see anybody who already has a position being changed one way or the other, whether they hear him actually saying that or not. Everybody assumes that he has and does. So they want to change the narrative from something that probably would not do any political damage and they change the narrative to this to to raising the issue of national security to raising the issue of republicans who are rightfully criticizing the president on national security grounds to me that's an odd narrative shift that you want to do it's it's a weird strategy if you're trying to do it where it is they're going to do it more yeah, i don't I know if it's jim clapper next or somebody else next But I tell you, um, since we put the letter out yesterday and since the directors and deputy directors put their open letter out the day before, uh, it has been just an amazing tidal wave of other former government officials who have said, oh, sign me up. I want to stand up and join this. So there is definitely more to come.
1: You're right. That is that is backwards. I mean, I, I if I were the president, I would think that the Omarosa stuff would have a less political impact than an enemies list, which was the second article of impeachment for Nixon. It would be like me trying to distract the cops from my shoplifting uh, by murdering someone.
3: And we and we need to remember moving beyond the the issue of this letter or the security clearances and, and something we may talk about in in the future. We need to remember that the president has very wide powers, both constitutionally and by custom, by practice in the imperial presidency. Things like granting and revoking security clearances, things like giving pardons. But that does not mean that presidential powers cannot be abused. And Richard Nixon had an article of impeachment specifically about abuse of power, not saying he couldn't do some of the things he did because those are presidential powers. But if you're doing them for a corrupt intent, that can be an article of impeachment. And the president seems to either be oblivious to this or he seems to not care about that prospect. And he continues doing these things for perceived short term advantage.
1: Yep. it seems to be all about corrupt intent. Well, David, thank you again so much for joining us uh, and and telling us about uh, why you felt uh, compelled to be a signatory on this letter with other CIA officials. We really appreciate it.
3: Thanks for chatting with me. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Muller She Wrote. The she in Muller She Wrote is no accident. Did you know we are 100% women-owned and operated? Every single person that helps make this podcast possible identifies as a woman. Our creative and web design our engineer and producers, our editors and digital media manager, our agent, our ad execs, our merchandising manager, and even the postal service clerk that helps me with shipping in our PO box, all women and all LGBTQ allies. We will continue to employ and partner with women as our podcast grows, but we could use your help. Please support women in podcasting by visiting mullersherote.com and become a patron today. All right, you guys, you ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. All right, you guys, this week, I'm keeping my same picks, which are Cohen, Butina, Junior, Kushner, and a rando Russian. So I'm not changing. I still have the same reasonings. Uh, They're not going to do any of the, you know... Uh, stone or collusion indictments until right. until they get miller or something i don't know and that could yeah. go to the supreme court i don't know how they're going to do it uh, but i don't think that stone or assange or wikileaks or any anybody like that's going to be indicted yet so i've got cohen butina jr kushner and a russian what about you guys
2: um i'm gonna throw brady in the mix again in my top five just because he's popping up and i know that the, so far they only have him for like uh influence like you know selling selling influence but that's probably the same thing they'll get cohen for so i feel like that could be another one whenever they do get cohen was cohen in my top five well now i want to add him too
1: all right so you got cohen bro yeah
2: and then i had a kushner junior and uh i can't
5: remember i think a rando yeah 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 all right we'll go with that okay i'm doing mifsud oh Ooh. yeah <laughs> i'm just Ooh. i just kind of forgot about him for a while and he really should be indicted obviously really should, yeah. so that i don't know why they're holding
1: out on that yeah i wonder I why because they They'll can't probably wrap him up in the entire collusion uh indictment like bonanza yeah. oh yeah yeah
5: i'm gonna say mifswood mifsweed um <laughs> Superseding indictments for Papadopoulos. Well, he hasn't been indicted yet, technically.
2: Was he? He pleaded guilty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So that counts as like. Yeah, that's true. His I always think he's
1: lying to the FBI. His mm-hmm. sentencing is zero to six months. So okay. I, I don't know that there'll be anything. Is, ah, they might supersede. Superseding? Hey. If he him. doesn't
5: cooperate, I think they could give him superseding indictments. Because I know they said he was, but then after what came out now, oh. it's like he's not really cooperating. So you he think hasn't he might not really
1: cooperated? Do you think he might blow up his plea deal and then be indicted for a bunch of other shit? If his fiance, what she said, is that like works. true, yeah. yeah. That's an yeah. indictment.
5: Mm hmm. So I'm going to say, uh, yeah, Papadopoulos, Mifsud, two
1: randos, and DTJ. Nice. All right. Cool. Uh, junior. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, we've got all that set. Please go to our Friends of Justice uh, Facebook page. Um, you can access that by being a, a patron. Um, and you can play our Fantasy Indictment League. It's not gambling. <laughs> um, and uh, you become a patron by going to patreon.com slash miller. She wrote um, for as little as a dollar. You get all that stuff. So, Oh, yeah. Good stuff. We. Oui. Uh, oh, we have 903. You guys, we are 97 away from our 1,000 patron goal. That is Yay. amazing. I think yeah. we can
5: get there in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Or one week. Maybe.
2: We should do something cool when we hit 1,000. Like, sometimes, like, just throw them a little... We'll ass. have a party. Yeah, there we go. Um,
1: we'll also change the goal to 2,000. Yeah, we'll then, yeah
5: we'll definitely
2: We'll
1: the gold that. to 2,000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that will be a thing. Uh, but none of that money goes toward any campaigns. No, <clears throat> no, no, not at all. All right. Are you guys ready for sabotage? <laughs>
5: yes. <laughs>
1: So this Saturday, uh, the Daily Beast reported that late Friday night, in the night, in the dark of night, Maria Butina was abruptly moved from a jail in Washington, D.C. to the lockup in Alexandria, Virginia. That's where Paul Manafort is being housed. Hmm. Butina's lawyer got a collect call at midnight from Friday, on Friday from the Alexandria jail, but the call was cut off before they could speak. He went and tried to visit, but wasn't allowed. But then he was able to visit Saturday morning, and he told the Daily Beast that neither he nor his client uh, were informed of the move. Um, he nor his client was informed or were informed. <laughs> Was. Either or was. Yeah, was. Uh, informed them. Okay, welcome to third grade grammar. <laughs> it's still AG. higher than Trump's level. <laughs> I care. Um, (laughs) Nor were they told why she was moved. Uh, The Department of Justice did not respond to a request for comment, but she was moved in the middle of the night. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, That could be because they ran out of sandwiches, or it (laughs) could be because she was being threatened um, and needed to be moved to a safer facility. I don't know. wonder. I, yeah, yeah, I really wonder, too. Or closer to her trial or maybe um, coming up under Mueller's, Mueller's umbrella and that's where he wanted her. I don't know. I don't know. Could they
5: be wanting to call her to the stand? No, that's stupid. Prosecution <laughs> is done.
1: Yeah, they would take her from anywhere, really. Uh, Wait, is
5: defense done, too?
1: Yeah, defense rested. Damn. Yeah. All right, you guys. Uh, there was another big thing. Late breaking news this weekend: The New York Times reported that the White House Counsel Don McGahn has been cooperating extensively with Mueller's obstruction inquiry. <laughs> this <laughs> pleases me to no end. Yeah, we predicted this back in episode, I think, eight or twelve. Ooh. And then we talked about it again in fourteen. Remember how I said that they have the same lawyer and they're probably not mm-hmm. testifying exactly. to Congress because they're per- they're cooperating with um, Mueller. And Mueller was like, "Don't tell Congress anything." Because if you do, then Trump will know. So, That's
2: so valid. I remember. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So don't testify in Congress to the public. You come talk to me. And I think that that also could indicate that. Anyway, anyway, nice. uh, according to a dozen current and former White House officials and others briefed on the matter, McGahn has shared detailed accounts about the episodes at the heart of the obstruction inquiry, including some that investigators would not have learned otherwise. He's spoken with investigators three times, totaling over 30 hours over the past nine months, mm-hmm. describing Trump's furor toward the Russia investigation. Furor, furor, furor <laughs> nice, uh, fervor, uh, verve. Toward the (laughs) Russia investigation uh, and ways in which he urged Trump urged McGahn to respond to it. The this information includes Trump's comments and actions during the firing of Comey and his obsession with putting loyalists in charge of the Mueller probe. Uh, like Benchkowski. (laughs) McGahn was involved in Trump's attempts to fire Mueller and to get Sessions to unrecuse himself. McGahn was in the room, and we reported this, when Trump asked Rosenstein, are you my guy? (laughs) McGahn was there. This is huge, as lawyers usually claim attorney-client privilege, but it appears McGahn is willing to go out of his way to help special counsel to save his own ass. It's amazing. And it's important to note that McGahn's lawyer is also the lawyer for Bannon and Priebus— uh, as I was stating before, so I wouldn't be surprised if they are cooperating <laughs> furiously, <fir-er-lessly, laughs> fervently. This is
2: crazy, though. This is huge.
1: As well. So put some beans on that. Yeah. Now, I don't think that changes my fantasy indictment league.
2: No, but it's so validating. What has it been like, <clears throat> 10 months since you called that? Yeah. Something like that. We're January. Usually that far no, I was <laughs> like, it was like seven,
1: seven months ago. It was like yeah. January.
2: Yeah. Miller's always <laughs> 10 months ahead of us, is what
5: it All these people that are losing loyalty, do you think they just really thought he was going to get away from it? <laughs> Until now I don't know man They're like Oh now this looks bad They
2: I couldn't should... have thought This would be what it was No way would they sign up Knowing it was this risky They just probably thought They'd get away with it Is what it seems I don't yeah. know
1: But if McGann helps I'll go see his tribute band Oh I think he plays In a, some sort of weird No way Old guy No, I'm not ageist uh, <laughs> Older gentleman Tribute band You know where they You know Yeah Clearwater revival Stuff like I that. dig it mm-hmm. You gotta have mm-hmm. an outlet You know We have a few of those In San Diego mm-hmm. All right. So, are you guys ready for Mananigans? Yes. Okay. I'm so excited. Last week, we had a brief discussion about Paul Manafort. Let's roll that clip get david Attenborough to just narrate in (laughs) manafort or the honey badger guy paul manafort don't give a shit oh my gosh that'd be (laughs) paul manafort don't care (laughs) well guys one of our fans reached out to randall of randall's animals that's the guy who recorded the original nasty ass honey badger video (laughs) that has 87 million hits on youtube and he agreed to help us recap the manafort trial this week so let's take a listen
0: Oh, my God. So, Paul Manafort is on trial for 10 counts of bank and tax fraud. This is only one of his trials. The next one's supposed to start September 17th, and who knows how many more trials he's going to have with all these open investigations going on. Now, a long time ago, he worked for a Putin guy named Yanakunovich or Yakomachevich or Hubechikakov in Ukraine. And... This guy was a total asshole. Manafort made $60 million and set up 31 foreign bank accounts so he didn't have to pay taxes. Oh, what a dick. Instead, he bought all kinds of crazy stuff, like a $10,000 karaoke system, a python jacket with three-quarter sleeves, gross, and ostrich vests to go with this ostrich coat, yuck. He bought the ugliest, most expensive clothes. Oh my god, did you see the blue plaid jacket? That's disgusting! Then, Manafort lied to get a bunch of bank loans before he quit his Ukraine job because he was broke. He even promised a banker he could be secretary of the army if he lent him $16 million. Can you believe it? But then the FBI raided his house at 4 in the morning and the judge made him wear two ankle bracelets. Not one, two. Oh, how fancy. His first trial has been cray-cray, and they called all the bankers and IRS agents and a guy from the Treasury who all said Manafort hid money and lied. But then, his deputy, Rick Gates, testified, oh my god, and Rick Gates cheated on his wife four times and stole about $700,000 from Manafort, also another dick. Then, there's crazy Judge Ellis. Ellis is a total honey badger. I mean, he's so feisty. He takes what he wants and he's always yelling at the prosecution and accusing them of crying and being too slow. How cray cray. Anyhow, the prosecution got the judge to apologize and talk to the jury about it. But the whole trial only took 10 days. Now that's fast. Faster than a roadrunner. And this week, the defense rested without calling any witnesses because they don't give a shit. They're just so silly. But that's also so bold. The defense don't care. They're just going to take what they want. They either have no case or they're sure that Trump is going to pardon him. So Manafort, don't give a shit. Wednesday, they gave their closing arguments and the defense talked about something the judge told them that they couldn't talk about. So the prosecution objected, of course, and it was a big old drama. But everything calmed down eventually and the jury started their deliberations. Then they needed a break over the weekend because one of the jury members really needed to go on a date. Oh, hello, Tinder.
1: Oh, my God. That's so hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to make a video of that. It's, you should. It's yeah. Awesome. I love him. Uh <laughs> Nasty ass man for it. <laughs> so, some other points of interest in the trial this week. Um, as you know, we did not get a verdict. Um, womp, womp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to make sure you all knew why the deliberation could be taking so long. So, Thursday, the jury gave a note to the court asking four questions. And among those questions, they asked about uh, a bank fraud. They asked about what a shelf company is. They asked to clarify what reasonable doubt means. And then they asked for a copy of the indictment, which is, I think, the important question here, um, and it, it is probably indicative of why they're taking so long to come back with a verdict. Mm-hmm. The judge refused to give them a roadmap of, of which evidence belongs with which count in the indictment. They were basically saying, can you give us the indictment again and tell us what of, of these 500 pieces of evidence goes with each charge? Mm-hmm. And the judge said, no. You guys figured out. You have all the stuff. You have the indictment. You have all the evidence. So it's been left to the jury to put that puzzle together. Wait, that's really stupid. And that would presumably take a really long time but it could also be protecting the verdict um <clears throat> i think we can expect a verdict early next week but that's why it's going to take so long they have they're going to have to figure out what e- evidence goes with which charge mm-hmm. my prediction is he will be found guilty on at least 10 of the 18 counts but if just one juror refuses to convict that would lead to a mistrial via a hung jury but then the trial could be retried with a different jury or the prosecution could just give up But I don't think it'll come to that. I really think they're just working to put together that roadmap of evidence with the charges of the indictment. Uh, And another interesting note, as told by Randall, uh, the defense rested without calling any witnesses. Uh, Most experts seem to think this is normal. It seems to me Manafort thinks he will be pardoned. He has a couple of clues from Trump, including his Alphonse Capone tweet, (laughs) um, comparing Manafort's (laughs) treatment to that of the infamous mobster (laughs) with syphilis. Uh, And Trump's uh, flirtation with pardoning Rob Blagojevich. He was indicted for selling a political position. He was trying to sell Obama's seat. Wow, Uh, after Obama became president. And as we know, one of the charges against Manafort is the squid pro crow, where he tried to sell a position in the Trump administration to cock in exchange for $16 million in bank loans. Finally, the judge says, uh, well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, before I go on to what what the uh, additional thing that the judge said about the jury uh, I mean, if you're pardoning Rob Blagojevich or tossing around the idea of pardoning Rob Blagojevich for the exact same crime that Manafort's on trial for, that to me is like a huge signal. Mm-hmm. And he's probably just sitting there like, just like Manafort, don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'll get, I'm will get, i going to get pardoned. So I'm not calling. We're not calling any um, defense. We're certainly not calling Manafort to the stand because anything he can't say can be used in his upcoming mm-hmm. other trials. Yeah. <laughs> so you just don't want him talking. It's all pointing towards
2: a pardon. Yeah. But wouldn't that start like a domino effect of Trump having to pardon everyone that
1: goes down for this? I don't know. Um, it would definitely be politically bad, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't not. think he'll care about pop it up. I'd be like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you, <laughs> you <turn> on me.
5: <laughs> you even though you well. did a
1: bad job, you still <laughs> turned on me. I can't even say your
5: name. Yeah. I, I think the fact that they even asked for that roadmap is good news because to me that kind of sounds like... He's definitely guilty of something. We just need to cross-reference exactly what you're charging him for so oh, we can yeah. make a ruling on that specific yeah, he's
1: Basically, It's to me, it says he's guilty of all these things, but what charges are those associated with so we know what to convict him of? Which charges to convict him Interesting. of? Hmm, I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Uh, hope, hopefully, they're able to put that puzzle together. Um, finally... The judge says he will release some of the... Remember the sealed sidebar conversations Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about uh, with Joyce Vance? He says he's going to release those to the public.
5: Wow.
2: Uh,
1: But he will not release the names of the jurors for their own safety. Um, as ellis says that he himself has received threats over the case yeah because he's a dick <laughs> well, he's like i didn't think people would be so in- into this trial i'm like are you
2: kidding it's okay so what, what kind of death threats he didn't go into detail i'm guessing right did he say death threats he just said threats oh just yeah. threats. okay i thought i, I mean, read death, death, death threats. threats somewhere but that was probably just like a weird blog but
1: yeah so but he yeah. has production from the marshals um, good good but The jury doesn't. And so, uh, you know, CNN's like, what are their names? And they're like, he's like, I'm not going to release that. Mm -hmm. I
5: suppose he's probably getting threats from not liberals.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's what I assume. I was wondering if that was the. Yeah. Like if you find him guilty, (laughs) he'll kill
1: you. Right. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Stomp. Stomp a country mud hole in your ass. I think is a possible? Yeah,
2: is it just. I, I don't know if it's common for for liberals to to do that too. To like, I I can't think of many. I'm sure they probably can think like conservatives can probably think of instances, but we don't normally say things like that, right? Like we don't threaten. We're we're not usually violent. Is that like a yeah? We generally don't fault? have
1: the, <laughs> generally don't have the guns. Yeah, yeah.
2: that's you.
5: But course. I I mean I think guns are okay for protection. But yeah, we don't. It's not. We're not really big on that no we don't have a history of that for sure there was that one time i guess when those people like started
1: bombing things
2: yeah it's what was that I, called <laughs> there are exceptions yeah and what were g- you remember, like the 60s well there
1: were labor uprisings right um, there was a french revolution christopher jordan um,
2: the one that shut all the cops and claimed it was doing it for the people yes yeah we don't we don't we're not perfect <laughs> have you read his manifesto though i did and it was it's on point dude it was on point not i don't say go out and shoot people on point it's I'm like just... there are better ways you know you don't have to burn in a house and go to like that yeah
5: the root of his ideology it's uh it makes sense that he was so upset not again not saying it warrants what he did (laughs) right but
2: his his concerns were on point yeah 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 he was really close to it too so that kind of messes with your head
5: yeah yeah he's talking about his experience and all the messed up things that he saw Mm mm-hmm yeah it's crazy well didn't know we talk
1: about Christopher Dorner today. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, hey, that's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. We have microphones.
2: Yeah. I think talking your way to justice is way better. Way better than guns. Right, no, you definitely. want to say that? Yeah, yeah. I can't The imma-
1: penis mightier. I thought
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said the penis. Is that what? I did. Uh, that's <laughs> what. Okay. That's what.
1: Uh, the penis mightier Sha- than the sword. That's what Sean Connery says wh- in, oh. in Celebrity Jeopardy. I'll take the penis mightier. <laughs> <laughs> and then Burt Reynolds goes, are you guys selling penis mightiers? <laughs> I love that. It's really that's one funny. of the best skits, uh, skits ever on Saturday Night Live. Celebrity Jeopardy. Uh, oh, anal yeah, I like Black bum Jeopardy. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. Oh, so good. Anal bum cover. Uh, the Rapist.
2: Oh, yeah. Therapist. The therapist. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll take Jap-anus relations. That's, oh, that's Japan-US so yeah, relations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love SNL.
2: They're killing it politically this season, they, or the last two seasons, man. It can't be party. hard. Well, true. There's a lot of material, but they, they're doing what I, what I think. Comedy should be useful. Yeah, for sure. They're my yeah. favorite. We're yeah. the
1: court jesters. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who get the truth out. Yep. All right, you guys. That's this week's show. Thank you again for listening. And thank you again for supporting Women in Podcasting. We love you all. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our sound engineering is courtesy of Resonant Recordings. Our digital media director and subscriber managers are Jordan Coburn, Sarah Lee Steiner, and Sarah Hirschberger valencia Fact-checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com.
7: Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right. The boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're
1: here with me on What We're
7: Drinking
4: with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom.
7: Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show.